the Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. Welcome to the Lloyd's List Podcast. I'm Michelle Vesey Bockman, Markets Editor of Lloyd's List. In the old days of empire, the UK was the undisputed global centre of shipping and trade. But in the last 50 years or so, that crown has definitely slipped. Some would even say that the UK no longer wears this title, as the axis of shipping tilts from west to east. So how is the UK going to attract and keep the thousands of potential jobs needed in the maritime sector of the future, and to maintain any semblance of international shipping dominance? As I record this podcast and ask this question, the UK can't even recruit enough truck drivers to deliver petrol, and crops are rotting for the lack of labour to harvest them. But while I could still fill up my tank last month, I headed down to the River Thames during London International Shipping Week to the HQS Wellington. The Wellington was retired after the Second World War and is preserved by the Wellington Trust to educate us all about the Merchant Navy. There, industry group Maritime UK was hosting a two-day career event for children and young adults. I wanted to see whether I could get some answers to this question. How is shipping planning for the future? But first, some facts. The UK maritime sector contributed £14.5 billion, or nearly US$20 billion, to the economy in 2015, based on the most recent government statistics available. Maritime business services alone contributed to £2 billion, the marine sector £6.4 billion, and ports £1.7 billion. There are some 1.1 million people employed in shipping. Like many of you listening to this podcast, I fell into shipping by accident. But if the UK is to maintain any semblance of a maritime cluster, future employees need to be found by design and not by accident. So that was how I found myself talking to Lorna Wagner, Programme Manager for Careers and Outreach for Maritime UK, in the midst of a very busy careers fair on board the Wellington. She was still reeling from 250 very excited schoolchildren that had flooded the vessel the day before, but took some time out to describe the aims and objectives of the event. I've never known anything like it in terms of offers of collaboration. I think I think those of us that are in maritime know that maritime is the is Britain's best kept secret. You know, you, you talk to careers advisors and ask them what the difference is between the Royal Navy and the Merchant Navy, and you at least half of them will get it wrong or don't know, aren't able to describe what the Merchant Navy is. So we know that there's approximately 1.1 million people in the UK working in the maritime sector. That's one in every 66 human beings in the UK. Massive. We know about the length of coastline that we have here. That shouldn't come as such a big surprise. But also the um, the Department for Transport uh, uh, Maritime Strategy, the 250, 2050 strategy, sets out an expectation of, of just unbelievable growth within the sector. We expect the sector to double in size in the next 10 years. And it's not 100% of the same jobs. These are new jobs. You're looking at the free ports initiative. You're looking at the impact that Brexit is going to have, if I'm allowed to say that word, on, on this sector. You're looking at the fact that the ports are modernising and they're putting so much more um, into automation. Now that that means changing jobs. It, it doesn't mean that there aren't jobs for people in ports, it means that the jobs are changing. So we need to make sure that the people are, have the right skills. It's not even just people coming into the sector, it's about upskilling the existing workforce. But I know that ports are crying out for computer coders. 
I know they are because they keep telling me that they are. But if someone has studied programming, computer coding, I don't think they're thinking about using that in the maritime sector. And really, I've got a two-page long job description, but it comes down to helping people to understand what the maritime sector is and how big it is. Another one's ship cybersecurity. Now, I didn't even know that was really a thing before I, I took on this job, but it's a, it's a really easy job to describe to children because I'll always say to them I link it to autonomous vessels and robotics and I talk to them about you not needing to have Captain Jack Sparrow and his pirate ship to come alongside to take over control of an autonomous vessel you need your James Bond style villain with a big white fluffy pussycat and a laptop just needs to (laughs) hack into the system exactly and then change the destination coordinates now that's a story that lands with children and then you know you're talking to them about so if you're interested in cyber security if you're interested in computer work if you're interested in security altogether if you're interested in autonomous vessels and robotics the maritime sector is thriving and we are short of those skills so when you're looking at your GCSE choices your post 16 choices is you should be thinking about feeding so that your career planning more than one step ahead and you're thinking about the end game and, and how you need to get there so ship cyber security always makes me laugh and autonomy you know the um artificial intelligence as well so it's not that the maritime sector is suddenly going to be shedding lots of jobs but the jobs are changing and and that's really exciting and it's a really good time for people to be exploring what, what the sector has to offer. I've got partners on board this morning from City Cruises, from Viking Crew and from Blue Water all talking about the shortage of chefs but also of engineers in luxury and, and super yacht crewing. You know, and, and if you're going to be an engineer, why wouldn't you want to be an engineer on a super yacht? Lorna was referring there to the UK government's Maritime 2050 plan released back in 2019. One of the shorter-lived maritime ministers, Kelly Tolhorst, appointed a Professor Graham Baldwin to chair a Maritime Skills Commission back in July 2020 for a two-year period. The first interim report was meant to be in October 2020, with several thereafter, along with an annual report. That first annual report, published 12 months ago, I have to say is a rather slim volume that yields little information. The section on quote-unquote future workforce research only really discussed a proposal by the port sector to commission another quote-unquote collaborative piece of research. Most of the report introduced those people who were appointed to the Skills Commission workforce with lots of photos and details about their background, who was doing what and what they aimed to achieve. The outlined scheme of work has a current and projected skills survey commencing January 2021. I'll be waiting for the results of that with bated breath. In the meantime, Lorna Wagner filled me in on some of those maritime jobs of the future that really aren't so obvious. Coding's a definite one. Engineers is a definite one, but we need to talk to people about the types of engineering. The opportunities that are coming up because of the decarbonisation and, you know, the um, finding alternative fuels and fuel sources, the, the opportunities for scientists and people that are interested in engineering and electronics and, you know, they are immense. I know, I've been told by a professor at Hull University who's very involved with uh, wind farm uh, technologies and so on, that that we the only way we are 22,000 technicians short 
if we're going to meet the government's target for wind power generation. And those technicians will work onshore, but also on boats, go to sea, go work in the wind farm, seven days on, seven days off, often, sometimes three weeks on, three weeks off, it varies. Um, they get paid well, but we can't possibly meet the government's targets unless we've got this people pipeline coming through. So we need to talk to young people about electrical, technical, about engineering, about those sorts of jobs, and about thinking about using them, but living and working on a boat. If you want to work on a ship right now, there are jobs available. Some 20 maritime apprenticeships were started last year. One of the exhibitors on the Wellington was the Marine Society, which is all about providing formal accreditation for those who want to join the Merchant Navy. I spoke to Daniel McAllister. So I'm with Daniel from the Marine Society. Daniel, what have you got to offer um, young adults who are coming here today? Um, so we're looking, or we're advertising today, um, a variety of different apprenticeship schemes that we run. Um, so we run things from the Workboat Apprenticeship Scheme, which is all about uh, crewing workboats that work in a variety of different uh, industries, so like towing, uh, dredging support, diving operations, marine construction, um, and, and that's a, a two-year programme uh, that works towards becoming a master eventually. Um, we also offer the, the Boat Master Apprenticeship, and the Boat Master Apprenticeship is the one that you, or the guys that you see on the, on the Thames here driving some of the passenger boats up and down, and, and uh, the, the clipper boats and things like that. Um, and again, that's a, a two-year apprenticeship that works on developing skills to be a, a captain of, of one of these boats. Do you find it hard to, to get people interested in taking up apprenticeships, or are they beating a path to your door? Um, it's been an interesting couple of years. It's been it's been steadily getting busier. There is there is the interest out there. Um, the uh, it's difficult getting younger people interested in the in the scheme. It tends to be more twenty um, fives plus at the moment. Um, but it is building interest slowly with the the sort of the eighteen plus. Um, I suppose it's the the biggest difficulty for us is getting the word out there that, that these things are available to young people. But the glamour job must surely be in the cruise sector. I asked Joe, who works for Carnival Corporation, about the benefits of a cadetship. He spent time on one of their biggest ships, pre-pandemic of course, as an electrical technical officer. For a start, employers will fund your university education, he told me, so no student debt once you start working, plus you have a transferable qualification. Um. In terms of benefits, um, me personally, in a, a cruise ship, um, I have the opportunity to see the best ports in the world. Sure. Um, I had three months on, three months off. Mm -hmm. When there's um, no COVID. When there's no COVID, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, when, when there's no COVID. Um, in terms of money-wise, it's a very, very well paid. Um, and also it's tax-free as well, which is a massive benefit to a lot of people. In terms of the training-wise, I'm paid to do my cadetship. Mm -hmm. um, I'm guaranteed a job at the end of it. Um, especially my sponsors being Carnival UK um, and also the fact that I have a year and a half actually going to sea and see that doing the actual job that I'm immediately being trained for prior mm. yeah it, it couldn't be any better than that to be fair so I'm, I'm literally for one day I can be in a lifeboat checking the lifeboat batteries and sort of stuff I can be down in the engine room looking at sensors in the engine and then up in the bridge all in the same day um, and that's just the job a normal situation I'd also in the evenings be seeing customers so I'd be wearing my nice uniforms and all the whites and all the fancy dancy stuff and I'd be having to engage with customers um, because they like to see officers it's quite nice for them to see people working aboard the ship but it's small steps for Maritime UK 
Here's Lorna again. The younger children, you know, they weren't all here because they want a career in maritime, because sure. it was a whole year group. They wanted the freebies. So they just went around the stalls and cleared the pens and the key rings and that sort of stuff. But we had some really good conversations. And then later on in the day, it was older young people. So there were 16 to 19 year olds. Um, and about 150 of them came, came to see us. Now they were coming out of choice. The, 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 um, the sixth formers had been given the option to take the time to come here. And um, we didn't know how many we'd get a good proportion of their year group came and were asking very sensible questions, asking career-based questions about how do I get into this? Do I need to do an apprenticeship? What's the difference between an apprenticeship and a cadetship? I want to get into maritime law. How do I do that? Do I need to have a law degree or do, do I do something else? Very sensible questions. Lots of girls asking about engineering, which just blows my mind. Um, we've had terrific exhibitors here. Um, that we haven't got as many today as we had yesterday, but um, really good representation from the sector. Today is adult job seekers and it's a completely different atmosphere. So he is hoping that the hands-on experience that UK Maritime gave those 250 school children triggers the beginnings of an interest in a maritime career for at least some of them. Labour shortages are looming as a major political issue for the UK and the maritime sector is already one of the most underappreciated and taken for granted. Lloyd's List will be following up on that Maritime Skills Commission to see what it delivers and how its plan to keep the international UK shipping sector competitive is panning out.